So, um, progression in the story, mm-hmm. or, uh, were there any complications along the way, health-wise, mm-hmm. for the baby and for you at the same time? Yeah, so the most for the most part it was probably the most pleasant pregnancy like i felt great um the baby was doing fine <coughs> growing fine um i was doing all the things i was excited um i think we got to a good place in our friendship we still didn't decide to be in a relationship at that point um but we did decide that we were going to still intentionally be friends and be in each other's lives mm-hmm. um Roy came with me to doctor's appointments. Um, we, you know, planned for the baby together. We did all of that. Um, and even at that point, I think it was that summer where I got more involved or probably the most involved I'd ever been in the college ministry that was here in Durag that summer. Um, and so all the people that were here and involved in that Bible study that summer knew the baby. Like when we found out we were having a boy and picked the name, like I remember um, Chris would every single time I would see him, he would like dap my stomach up. <laughs> uh, like that's, every time. that's a Chris move for you right <laughs> yes, there. Yeah. Every single time. And so I think everybody had like kind of embraced this. Like this was everybody's baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everything was great until like moving towards the so once I got my third trimester, um, my blood pressure started to creep up and I've never had any issues with blood pressure. I've never had high blood pressure before, um, but I started to notice this swelling um, like, man, my feet are like swollen out my shoes today. I can't even wear my flats. I need to wear flip flops. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would go and see my midwives and they would take my blood pressure and it was, you know, it was elevated for me. Mm-hmm. Um but still not threatening. And so um, the pregnancy progressed on and we were about four weeks from our due date. Um, maybe five weeks. I was 36 and a half weeks. Full term is 40 weeks or full, whatever. That's 40 weeks. So I was at 36 weeks. Um, and we went in for a doctor's appointment on a Tuesday and my blood pressure was like, really really high Mm. um they did a stress test on the baby or a non-stress test and everything was fine with the baby um health wise they didn't feel like there was any threat right then um and so they were like well since your blood pressure is so high we're gonna schedule you to be induced on friday and so this was tuesday everything's fine my blood pressure is up but they're like so that it doesn't get to a point where it's like really threatening and we have an issue we're gonna schedule you at the end of this week and so um so we went into full baby prep mode. Like we had people over there trying to figure out because ain't nobody had no kids at that right. point. <laughs> um, so they're building um, pack and plays and reading instructions and we're putting out baby clothes and we're just doing all kinds of stuff. Um, and I had been put on bed rest as well. And so I was like, well, at least it can be couch rest. Like I don't just lay in the bed all day. <laughs> um, and so... I'm on the couch with a bunch of ladies. They're like sitting around me and we're talking, having a good time. The guys are trying to figure out how to do anything, baby. Just anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so we went in. The plan was when Friday gets here, I'll go in for one last like checkup and they'll do their routine things at the doctor's office. So they didn't have to do those things at the hospital. Right. Um, because it's already covered by insurance if you do it at the doctor's office. And so Mm -hmm. they were doing, going to do their routine things and then send me over to be induced. And so we got to the doctor's office and my mom had come in town. And so it's me, Roy, and my mom and we go in and I'm feeling great and we're excited. We're like, Oh, it's baby day. And so we're like laughing, joking, all these things. Um, and so the girl comes in to do my blood pressure. And so she does the blood pressure and then she, like, look, she's like, hmm. And so she does it again, and she doesn't say anything. And she pauses, and she's like, you know what? I'm new. I'm an intern. And so <laughs> I'm gonna, like, she was like, I think I'm doing something wrong. I'm going to go get the nurse. And so, um, so we're like, and then she told me what the blood pressure was, and it was something like, 200 over 91 one, or something. It was like oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, 200 over 110. 
110 or 120, yeah. something like that. Something crazy ridiculous. Yeah. And so she was like, yeah, I'm doing this wrong. Like, there's no way that that's your blood pressure because we're sitting there, we're laughing and joking. And so I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, girl, you're doing that wrong. <laughs> right. Go get the professionals. Like, you know, we're joking. And yeah. she was laughing. Um, and so my midwife comes in and um, she does my blood pressure. And she was like, okay, I need you to go and get on the table. Like, she's just, like, serious because she does it. And I was like, okay, so did it stay the same? And she was like, well, yes. So we're just going to do a non-stress test on the baby, and um, we're going to get you into ultrasound, um, and then we'll we'll just go ahead and get you to the hospital as soon as possible. Were you feeling um, fine at the time? I was fine. And so the whole time while they're, like, setting up the things that they need, they were like, do you see spots? And I'm like, no, I don't see any spots. Are you dizzy? Are like they kept asking me all these questions like are you sure? Are you hot? Are you this? Are you that? And I'm like, I am fine. Like mm-hmm. we are chilling over here. Um and so I start to kind of like worry because I'm like, okay, like they're trying to put all these symptoms on me. I don't feel any of that. Like I'm good. Like I haven't had any of these symptoms ever. Mm-hmm. Um and so I get on the table and I mean, at this point, um, 36 and a half weeks, we've had so many doctor's appointments at this point. I know, like I know the procedure when they get the little mm-hmm. Doppler and they do the little gel and they usually go right to the spot. Um, and so she's like moving around and she's not able to like find the heartbeat using the Doppler. Mm-hmm. And so she's sliding it across my stomach and she was like, yeah, something must be wrong with this thing. And I'm like, ain't nothing wrong with the thing. (laughs) Just, like, tell me what's going on. Um, But she was like, let's just go into ultrasound. And so they, like, immediately we moved from that room to the ultrasound room. And um, so we get into ultrasound, and the lady puts the the little monitor on my stomach, and immediately you can see that there's no heartbeat. Mm. Um, And so she was like, I'm so sorry. And that's when we found out that he had passed away mm-hmm. um, yeah. in that moment. Uh, Roy, were you were you there? Mm-hmm. I was. Um, okay. I was there. Um, I I can't even remember. You know, I mean, my thought process uh, doing that, that, it just seems all like a blur. Like, it seemed unreal mm-hmm. uh, what was occurring. Um, I think I remember um, the, the midwife, even I, you know, after they couldn't find the heartbeat, and it was like, you know, because her blood pressure, again, was 200 and something over 100 i mean it was it was absurd mm-hmm. uh they were you know there was a, normally when we see this type of blood pressure someone is having a full-blown seizure you're right uh, and and so you know there was like we st- you know there's still a medical you know uh uh emergency here uh you know i mean w- with with Brittany, but of course it's hard to even process that you know I mean, with all the uh with the news you know so i think you know at at that point if I'm back in that situation, my mind, let's, let's get Brittany to the hospital. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So she can uh, get the necessary mm-hmm. uh, medical attention. I think uh, we were, did we drive? Yeah. So Roy yeah. drove. I remember you driving because you cut the cab driver I off did. and he beeped us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we flew to the hospital from, and the doctor's office wasn't very far. Mm-hmm. Um, and... From there, yeah, we went up to the labor and delivery mm-hmm. portion, and they started pumping all kinds of meds to get my blood pressure down because their worry at that point was that something was, was going to happen to me. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, they're still asking their same questions. Do you see this? Do you feel that? Do you? I'm like, no, I don't feel any of these things right. um, because they're like, she should be, like, dying right now. <laughs> but, mm. um, but I felt fine. Were you, were you afraid um, for your life? No, I don't think I ever – ever thought about my life at that point mm. um it didn't cross my mind um yeah I was just like I, I was trying to understand what was I'm like wait wait a minute like this everything pregnancy, was everything fine. was fine yeah. everything was yeah. fine we yeah. we planned for this we got a back and play in the room what you mean yeah um and so and we were here two days and ago. we were yeah we were just there on Tuesday uh-huh. and everything was fine and so um so, yeah, I think I was just having this moment of, like, what am I supposed to do now? Like, what do you what do you mean the baby's not alive? Um, so, yeah, even though everybody was in, like, I mean, high-stress mode, um, yeah, I wasn't – I don't think I had a thought about 
my life. It was way after the fact that I was like, oh, shoot, I probably could have died. <laughs> it, but it, it didn't cross my mind in that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we are now at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're they're checking you out. Mm-hmm. Um, but did, did they still go along with the in, induction? So that was a whole nother thing. I think through the whole process, um, because both Roy and I are pretty relational people, we had developed really good relationships with our midwives. Yeah. Um, at the doctor's office I go to, and I'm still at the same doctor's office, so that's pretty cool. Um, but you have a choice to see the doctors or see the midwives, and. You know, in Harrisonburg, so I was low-key, like, trying to be crunchy, but really not. <laughs> like, <laughs> I ain't really, like, that earthy. But like, <laughs> but the doctor's office has midwives, so it's close enough. Um, yeah. And part of me was like, oh, we can do, like, these natural birth things. We low-key for a little while considered having a baby at my house, my apartment. Like in a pool? Mm-hmm. Lord. Like, you can rent them, and they'll bring them and set them up in yeah. your living room. Mm-hmm. But we also, I was in a one-bedroom apartment, so it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. But I considered it for a little while. <laughs> and so anyway, the midwives were like, okay, I'll see the midwives. It's, it's, it's close to that. So we had developed a really good relationship with them. Um, and so I say that because the standard procedure would have been to still induce me. Mm. And so they would put my body into labor and... Um, because there, at this point there was no threat to the baby's life anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't need to be a quick procedure. Um, I didn't need to have an emergency C-section or anything like that in their opinion. And so they were going to go through their normal induction methods and do the IV and start the Pitocin, which is medicine that makes your body contract. And Mm -hmm. they were going to do like the little bulb that dilates your cervix and all of that. And, um, I told my midwife that. I couldn't do that. I was like, I absolutely cannot go through these hours mm-hmm. and this process of laboring. And they were like, well, we can make you comfortable. We can give you the epidural right away. But I'm like, we're not going to prolong this for hours and have me go through all of these motions to have a baby that I know is already not living anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was like, I'll see what I can do. And, um, thankfully she was able to talk to the rest of the staff and they agreed that they would do a C-section. Um, and so we were able to get a C-section scheduled versus me having to do the entire labor and delivery process for that. Um, can I ask you a question Mm -hmm. just for clarity? Cause I'm, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, at that point, knowing what they knew about the baby, why would they want you to do a natural birth as a, or I mean Mm -hmm. an actual vaginal birth Mm -hmm. as opposed to a C-section? So most times when you do a C-section, that means that if you want to have kids later, um, chances are you're going to have to do a C-section again. And so it's best for the body to have a a vaginal birth. And so because of that and because there was no medical need for a C-section and it's considered a major surgery, yeah. um, they were like, it's not medically necessary. Yeah. Um, and so it's, I mean, and actually we found out that there was a lady down the hall that same day that was, um, she was this in the same situation, um, but she was being induced. And so she was in labor and she was waiting to deliver Mm. her child that had already um, passed away. But she was much older than I was at that point. And so for her, having a C-section could have um, diminished her chances of having a baby again. Mm -hmm. And so for her, um, they didn't allow her to have a C-section, but they did for me. Yeah. And uh, any surgery, uh, but especially a a surgery that breaks the the peritoneal cavity uh, is just dangerous um and we just i mean they've gotten really good um at doing these surgeries that there's not a lot of casualties um anymore um but they don't like to run those risks uh if they if they don't have to um yeah so um tell me what is going through you all's mind during this time of you like yeah. you just got the news yeah. and everything was fine just yeah. just mm-hmm. the other day mm-hmm. Um, I think I got to a point where I was, I was kind of numb. Mm. Um, and, and I think my, the people pleaser in me kind of came out a little bit too, because at this point 
once we got to the hospital um, and people got news, people started coming. And so even in that moment, I had the, again, unnecessary <laughs> pressure to to put on and to, to appear fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I was trying to not feel and not think and not process mm-hmm. um, at that moment because I needed to be okay for everyone else that was there. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I remember um, just kind of pushing my thoughts to the side um, and I feel like I was just kind of kind of numb and people would come in and I would try to smile and say hi. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of where, where I was. And then especially once um, my in-laws showed up at that point, they weren't my in-laws, but um, when Roy's parents got there and um, I think before anybody saw his mom, they heard her um, because at this point they, mm-hmm. I mean, they were excited about their grandson yeah. coming and um, they were anticipating it. They had already planned their vacation time to come and help us with the baby and yeah. um, and all of that. And so they were very much involved. I feel like that was I probably talked to talked to Roy's mom more than he did, mm-hmm. which says a whole lot because he talked to his parents like every day too. Um, but um, so yeah, they were they were very much um, attached, mm. like like everyone else. I mean, like I said, it was everybody's baby, and so. Um, I think I heard her enter the hall before we ever saw her. And so I was like, okay, I need, I need to, I need to at least kind of be okay. The people pleaser in you came out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I need to be okay so that other people can be okay. Yeah. Um, because if they come in and I'm all distraught, that's going to make, that's going to amplify and now everybody's, you know? And so, um, as much as I could, I tried to, um, put off grieving and processing and things like that until I was alone. Mm. Roy, I, I'm, 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 I can imagine at the time, like you want to do something, mm-hmm. but yeah. it was all out of your hands. Yeah, it was completely out of my hand. I think, um, uh, from when we knew, um, that Corbin had, uh, gone on and passed on. Um, and I think, you know, and I and realizing that, the immediate medical danger now was to Brittany. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, my uh, thought, my my prayer, you know what I mean, was uh, that God would preserve her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just being there, you know, sitting in in the surgery and, you know, going through that process, mm-hmm. her being able to uh, wake up from that. Um, so, you know, yeah, I think um, in the actual moments while I was at the hospital, uh, my thoughts were here. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went home, uh, when I left the hospital and I went home, uh, and I, was, I remember, uh, you know, being in the shower and thinking about it, this is not a dream. All of this was a reality. You know I mean? I think when you have moments like that that are really traumatic, at least for me, you know, it, it all feels surreal. Most of the trauma that I've endured, it just seemed in the moment, it was like, I cannot believe this is actually happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so having a moment outside of that to reflect on it, uh, that, you know, that that's when uh, some of the weight of that began to really sink in. Mm. Uh, and I remember um, praying and crying and, and trying to figure out what to feel it was just so it was just yeah it was confusing mm. um so corbin is is uh you had the c-section mm-hmm. um what happened after after those following days you know yeah so they kept me in the hospital a couple of days just to make sure that my blood pressure was down. Um, Mm -hmm. They kept the blood pressure medicine going and then they gave me more medicine to take after. Um, But because of the, the C-section, the healing process for me was really difficult because Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that taking strong medication was just not something that my body receives well. Mm. And so, um, it was 
Roy had to step in and do a lot of things for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in the middle of where we're grieving, but then also I can't do anything for myself. Mm. And so I feel like that was probably the most vulnerable time I've ever had in my life um, because I'm trying to heal from a major, major surgery with Tylenol and Motrin versus the hydrocodone that they gave me. Lord have mercy. I would love to be able to take. Um, But um, I'm trying to do that, but I I can't even, I can't even stand up on my own. Mm. Um, Like I'm trying to do very simple everyday things at this point because now I'm home and Roy's practically having to carry me everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that part was tough. Um, And then on, of course, we're trying to figure out we have all this baby stuff and Mm. we have no baby. Um, And so I think getting, getting home was probably, I think that was, that was probably the first moment where I openly, um, where I openly grieved. Mm-hmm. Um, we got there, and before we had left, there was um, probably one of our last ultrasounds. I had put it into a picture frame. A friend of mine, actually Jarrell, <laughs> mm-hmm. had um, given me a picture frame. It was blue, um, and it had had a saying on it, and um, it was a pic- It was for an ultrasound picture. Um, and so I had already, that was up on the wall that had been on the wall for, since I had had my, um, baby shower and I got home and I think because my mom and I think my stepdad was, had come up as well just to help with preparation for me to come home. Um, I think they were trying to alleviate any triggers of Mm -hmm. what may caused me to be upset and so they had removed the picture they had put away all the baby things and I remember I got home and I immediately looked on the wall and saw that the picture was gone mm. and I just I just lost it um and they thought they were and trying so to help. yeah mm. because I mean and I get it take all the baby stuff put it away all of that and so but I mean she went right and she got it and put it back up um but I think it was just that that moment of because it was already like okay I'm leaving the hospital without a baby I went to have a baby but I'm leaving without a baby Mm -hmm. um but getting home and then all traces of baby being gone Mm -hmm. um it was just it was a very um intense emotional moment for me um but I think it did kickstart my grieving um and so in a way I guess it was helpful Mm -hmm. um because I would have probably continued to try to suppress, mm, continued to yeah. try to to host people <laughs> in the way, in whatever way I could. Um, but yeah, so following that, I mean, we constantly had people coming and visiting. Um, and so I felt, um, I felt like I needed to get better quickly. Um, so yeah, I think it, 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 that's why I think grief is such a process. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, it's been a, it has been an ongoing process because, um, I don't necessarily allow myself, which may be a good thing. It may be, you know, just provision that the Lord has placed, (laughs) um, in me to not take everything all at once. I've taken it in very, very small bites. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll process and I'm like, okay. I'm good. And then I realized, no, I'm not good. I'm not good at all. (laughs) Um, and so I'll take a little bit more. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's definitely been a journey and a process Mm -hmm. since, since then. Um, but there were lots of people who gathered around us, lots of people who came and visited and visited and brought us things and, um, were there for, I mean, anything I needed, people wanted to, to wanted to do it and wanted to be there. Um, and so that was that was helpful. It was a blessing to to have that type of community and people rally around me when they they didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, they really didn't have to, but they did. Um, did y'all yeah. do anything to, um, uh, like, like a service mm-hmm. or anything? Yeah. So we did have a funeral service. Um, yeah, it was. 
what, was it like a week later? Maybe oh, not even a week. No, it was a couple of days after you yeah. left the hospital. So we had a, a funeral service. Um, and though it was, it was very, it was sad, obviously. Um, but it was, it was also healing in a way because even like my coworkers came, the midwives, they came. Mm-hmm. Um, we had family and friends that traveled, people that we didn't even know. Like, I mean, of course people care, you know, people yeah. care. But um, people that we didn't know cared enough to travel and come to Harrisonburg to just, just to be at this service. I'm like, you don't even, like, we don't even talk on a regular basis, right. you know. Um, but and you probably won't get a chance to even say anything to me while you're here. But you just want to, you just want to be here. You want right. to sign the book. You want to let me know that I'm supported by you. Um, and so I think that was, that was good and it was helpful. And for me, just in general, I'm a very celebratory person. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to commemorate things, and so it was helpful to have something to. I mean, even though. It wasn't, it didn't feel like we were celebrating a lot, um, Mm -hmm. just to have a moment to say, okay, yes, we had a baby. A a lot of people have babies a lot earlier than that. This was an almost Mm -hmm. full-term baby. Like, um, and so, you know, we have pictures of him and things like that. So being able to have that moment where we recognize this is our son and he, you know, we did, we did get to hold him Mm -hmm. and all of that. And so I think it just made it, it made it real. Um, allowed people to see that Corbin was not just this unknown thought of a, of a child. Mm -hmm. This is an actual child that we had that we gave birth to, um, and having that moment to celebrate and commemorate his life, though it was short. Um, that was helpful. Mm. So in, in talking about um, commemorating mm-hmm. your baby, why the name Corbin? What was the yeah. significance of that name? So um, we chose good Corbin. Question. That is a really good question. Um, and we spelled it C-O-R-B-A-N, which the normal spelling is C-O-R-B-I-N. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was actually, I think I was scrolling on a mom board <laughs> um, and I saw all these different um, name suggestions and I was like, all about let's pick a name for the baby and Roy was not so much um he likes to wait however um he did um give in to my desire to name the baby early as soon as we found out I wanted to name the baby um and so (laughs) um I ran across his name and it was Corbin and I was like huh I really like it and so I started looking it up um and it means a gift dedicated to God Mm -hmm. oh Um, wow and so, and definitely during that pregnancy was probably when my relationship with the Lord grew the most. Mm-hmm. It sounds crazy because I'm like in this very unconventional situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pregnant, not married, <laughs> not even in a relationship with this baby, all these things. Um, but I knew, and I think a lot of it um, I had learned from Roy um, and you know, that God gives life and Mm -hmm. really truly believing that. Um, and if he trusted me enough to give this life for me to steward, um, I can at least dedicate this child as a gift even before he's born to the Lord. Um, and so, and we were able to find it, um, in the Bible as well. I think it's mentioned maybe once, but (laughs) (laughs) it's in there. Um, but they were talking about, they were bringing their Corbin to the Lord, their gift mm, to the Lord, mm. um, dedicating it. And so, um, so yeah, I, I think after the fact, I was like, I didn't realize it was going to be such a literal yeah. <laughs> gift. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but a gift nonetheless, um, I think we, we definitely can pinpoint so many ways how, um, how his life was truly a, truly a gift. Yeah. 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 I think his his life um, was a gift in two ways. Um, I think uh, Corbin, I don't think I know for a fact, uh, Corbin was a gift to us um, in that God used his life uh, for the duration in which he was here in his human experience um, to get our attention mm-hmm. uh, in a way that I'm pretty sure nothing else could. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, 
in Corbin's life was almost a sacrifice that was necessary, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to uh, to kick down the doors of our hearts. I'll say mine specifically. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, to to get me long enough to sit down long enough to to look that way, mm-hmm. um, and to know uh, that God was calling me to Himself, and He will not relent, mm-hmm. um, calling me. Uh, and he will go to whatever measure is necessary uh, to get my attention, um, and I and and so uh, I appreciate his life in that regard. Um, but what I also saw as God's mercy in a in a in a weird way is that um, uh, God's mercy to us um, is that Corbin uh, didn't uh, grow up in the sense where uh, he was born and and and. Brittany and I were in a strained relationship and he was having to endure uh, mm-hmm. some of the things that children just have to, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, when their parents are, in, are at odds with each other. Um, and I think, uh, for, and this is, I'm speaking very personally, um, you know, I feel like the Lord um, got our attention through Corbin's life and said, I will not allow Corbin to suffer through you guys figuring out what mm-hmm. you're going to do. Uh, he will be with me. Mm-hmm. What will you do now? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and, and so I saw God's grace in both of those ways and it was really really clear for me mm-hmm. um and i think it was right after that um where i realized that um it was I, it was my time to make a decision right now to grow up mm-hmm. uh, to make a decision right now uh to pursue uh britney in the way that the lord would have me to mm-hmm. um to 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 grow and live in a life of integrity uh sexually mm-hmm. uh socially and otherwise um, and, and, and the way in which God has designed that for me is through the context of marriage. So I remember asking Brittany's mom, this is after, <laughs> uh, after all of this, you know, mm-hmm. I remember going to Brittany's mom, I was like, Hey, can I take your daughter out on a date? She's like, this is what you're going to ask me. <laughs> um, so this was, you know, uh, yeah, this was again, after all of that, I remember, uh, I, I remember that being a very, dist- it was a moment in my mind. I was like, okay, I'm going to pursue her. Uh, in the way in which the Lord would have me to pursue her. Um, and I remember a couple months after that, uh, making a decision, okay, I'm going to get married. I remember talking to my friends uh, and saying, okay, I'm going to do this. You know what I mean? What do you think? And, and going through all these different progressions. Uh, I remember um, going in to, uh, to get the ring, uh, uh, getting the ring and then uh, deciding when I'll do it. And it, was, it just happened that Easter was also Brittany's birthday, mm-hmm. uh, making a decision to propose. So the following year is when you proposed? No. Uh, well, yes. So Corbin, um, Corbin's... December 30th, 2011, in April Of 2012, 2012. yeah. Gotcha. So it is the following year. It just, yeah. There was just not a year, uh, 12 months right, in between. Right, right, right. Um, so I think, you know, it was during that time. I think... Um, so anyway, going back to Corbin and him, uh, being a gift, uh, from God to us, uh, a radical gift, you know what I mean? Uh, to, for God, that God used to, to draw us to himself. Um, but I think, I know that God also extended his mercy towards Corbin's person by not allowing him to suffer through our indecision and our brokenness mm-hmm. uh, and saying that I'm going to hold on to Corbin um, and, and Corbin will be with me. He will not suffer mm-hmm. um, while you guys are figuring that, that's that he will be with me. And I think uh, I appreciate that. Uh, it's a strange thing to say, but I appreciate um, the fact that uh, our son um, never knew the human suffering that, that a lot of, a lot of kids have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God was merciful to us in that way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think also um, I am convinced that Roy and I, we probably wouldn't be sitting together (laughs) doing this podcast, us being married and in Mm -hmm. this situation where we currently are, um, had Corbin lived. I think Mm. um, we were so sure about our co-parenting plan. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, maybe, maybe eventually we would have decided to be in a relationship and, um, but that was, that was still so far from our minds. Right. Like we weren't, we, we, we were at the point cause and you know, when we, when we first found out we were about to go our separate ways, mm-hmm. Roy did decide to stay. But even in that, um, we didn't decide to be in a relationship and we weren't doing the whole playing house thing. Um, 
we were like, okay, we need to, we need to be better friends so that our son can have two really good parents. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we were doing. We were being friends. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we would have continued to be friends and not be in a relationship because we had realized at that point where we were, um, I feel like where we were mentally, um, where we were spiritually, all of that, we knew that we didn't relationship well. Mm. <laughs> and if we <laughs> were bringing a child into this world, we didn't, we couldn't also complicate that by trying to figure out how right. we're going to, how we're going to work. Mm -hmm. Um, it just wasn't, we're like, it's not, we don't work. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. um, but I think the Lord had a different thought about us. Mm. Um, and we can very clearly now see why, um, why we should be together, um, how we complement each other, um, and why the Lord would desire for us to be together. But prior to, prior to Corbin passing away, that, that was not, that was not clear. That right. was actually so foggy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't think that we would have made a decision to, to try and, um, make a relationship work because we would have we we would have just already known that it's gonna cause too many complications. It's gonna put this child through so much like stuff. So it's better for us to live separate and be on good terms as far as co-parenting and communicating and um, getting along. Yeah. So that his experience would be a pleasant one. Yeah, and there are a lot of parents who. Um, who are in that dynamic you know what i mean where they're uh they're not together and they're raising children together and and they do their absolute best you know what i mean and and, and uh, to a certain degree it works out well um i i do think though however you know um there's it's almost inevitable that there'll be uh mental emotional relational strain mm -hmm. uh that has uh effect on all of the parties involved, but I think most exceptionally uh, on the child. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, that that part, um, even parent, both parents that even if, when you love your child and you want to do all that, there's just much you can do about it. Mm -hmm. uh, that child just has to endure and God has to continue to heal and protect. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and men and women ra raised in that setting and God continues to heal brokenness and, and they become the men and women that God has designed them for them to be, but it is not without a cost, yeah. a yeah. significant yeah. cost. Yeah. Yeah. So I do have a question for the two of you throughout this process, knowing that um, as Corbin was, you know, developing and growing, you were, had already kind of made your decision to mm -hmm. co-parent, mm -hmm. but then after the fact, you said you made a decision, decision to try to work it out. How did you guys support each other through the process after, mm -hmm. after the fact? Mm -hmm. What was, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, I can answer how, how Roy supported me. Um, so like I said, getting home from the hospital was really tough physically for me. Um, and I think I saw Roy communicate um, selfless love in a very tangible way. I mean, some of the things that he had to help me do and do for me, um, for me, was very, very embarrassing and, and humbling. Um, but for him, it was like, he didn't even skip a beat. Like he didn't look at me differently. He didn't treat me differently. He didn't gripe or complain. Um, he just did it, whatever I needed. It didn't matter what the ask was, um, or what the non ask was because some things I'm like, I'm not asking. Um, but he would anticipate what I needed and do that. Um, and a lot of times spare me the embarrassment of having to say, Hey, I need help with with this um and so i think he made healing physically as easy as possible um so that i could have the space to heal emotionally um and so yeah i think that's probably one of the major ways that he supported me just being completely completely selfless mm. um you go Roy. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, um yeah i think that 
Yeah, I think for me, um, the way in which uh, you support me there, and it still continues to support me, I think normally when I um, go through something that's difficult, uh, my tendency is just to go ahead and store that one away and never open that box ever again. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Matter of fact, throw it in the ocean. Make sure it sails <laughs> way past, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? I mean, to that sea that we never, the dead sea, then, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. Never again. Um, but I think uh, having, uh, having Brittany um, uh, celebrate Corbin's life um, uh, on a year to year basis. Um, helps me uh to come face to face again you know what i mean with with the reality of his person uh and in context of what god uh was doing in us mm -hmm. and uh through him which helps me to be okay mm -hmm. like i can see it in the framework in which god has allowed me to you know what i mean and, and be okay whereas if if i'm not if if you are not intentional in bring in in bringing his life up over and over again then the value of what God was communicating and, uh, to us through his life, I think, uh, will be dulled mm -hmm. uh, and maybe even missing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I really appreciate that. Um, so that message that God cares, um, that he'll go through extreme measures uh, to call us to himself. Um, that he never leaves, even in really, really hard situations. Mm. Uh, Corbin is tangible um, communication of those thoughts for mm. me. Yeah. So thank you for always routinely uh, celebrating his life and his message. Mm. Thank you guys so much for sharing. Well, um, we won't give you all the final words. I'm going to put Shaka on the spot, and I'm going to have you after their final words, you, you pray us out, and uh, we'll go from there. So final words, anything you want to say to the listeners, you know, who may be going through the, a situation like this or, you know, how to how to support someone who may be going through a situation like this because as as, as, as it's very – for us, it would we think, oh, this is very uncommon. No, it's a very common thing it that is, actually yeah. happens. It's a lot of people mm -hmm. uh, that deal with – um, issues with with pregnancy and things of that mm -hmm. and, and uh, fertility mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So, your your final words. Yeah, I think for me, what I would say um, is tell your story, um, share your story. Um, one of the things that keeps me posting and remembering and openly sharing every year um, or any chance I get, anytime someone brings it up. Um, and wants to talk about it. I'm very open and um, about being vocal about Corbin's life. Um, it's because there, ha I don't think there's ever been a time where I've shared and there hasn't been at least one person, but usually more, mm -hmm. um, that will send me a message and tell me that it helped them or blessed them or encouraged them um, to share because they've been through the mm -hmm. same or a similar situation. Mm -hmm. um, and I've even had people sometimes reach out that I didn't really know that well, mm -hmm. um, but they either saw my post because we're friends on Facebook or they saw it through someone or someone told them, hey, come read this. Um, but I've had people who have reached out and said that they've never talked about their experience mm -hmm. really? outside of when it actually happened mm -hmm. um, and I've never talked about it with anyone or openly shared or processed or even felt like they could grieve and especially when it's been um, situations where someone will have like a miscarriage early on or mm. have a stillbirth like we did, um, but you know, go home without a baby, mm. and they feel like, well, because I didn't get to bring my baby home, or I didn't get to meet my baby, or whatever the case may be, they feel like it's not a significant experience, mm. and um, mm. and so for me, it's important for me to encourage women and men who go through 
um, this type of situation to celebrate the life that they have from the very moment, even if it's not as soon as you find out telling everybody you're pregnant, right. but um, celebrating life at every moment that you are able to celebrate it because it's only God who gives life mm -hmm. and you don't know for how long God is allowing that life to be in your possession. Right, um, right, right. And so, so yeah, I, I encourage people to share their story, share their experiences. It helps other people. So many people go through so many things when it comes to, um, children and fertility and infertility and all of these things. Um, but to know that you're not alone, yeah. um, mm. and in sharing your story, I think it, it's like this double healing process. Like it helps you. Um, yeah. but it also, it helps other people. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the reason that God allows us to go through some things that are really tough and we mm. don't understand it. And yeah. I'm, there's no way to explain why the, like there's no things that point to why this would happen yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, and I think that the only thing that I can come up with um, that seems to make a whole lot of sense is that the Lord allows us to endure certain things, not just for us to have to endure and build our own personal character and, you know, develop some sort of perseverance, but no, it's to, to help someone else mm -hmm. um, to get through those things better and to ultimately see the Lord in it, no matter how tough it is. Um, so yeah, I would yep. say share. Yeah. Yep. What about you, Roy? Uh, human life is not uh, void of suffering. Uh, it doesn't matter um, where you are, uh, where you're from, uh, what you look like, um, who your mom and dad are, um, what your socioeconomic status is. Mm -hmm. uh, in this life, it says that there will, in fact, be hardship. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the hardship that we experience um, there's just not a real clear answer as to why, you know, I mean, a lot of us get that question, well, God, you know, why did you allow this to happen? Yeah. Why did you allow this to not happen? Mm -hmm. You know I mean? I think, uh, you know, going through, uh, the book of Job and, and going through his thought process and hearing him process through, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, what his honest, you know, feedback, uh, you know, to his friends and then to God, uh, you know, it says, though you slay me yet, will I trust, trust you? you? Yeah. Um, and we see, you know, several uh, chapter after chapter uh, of Job pouring out the, the most honest and vulnerable thoughts that he was having uh, to his friends and then most importantly to the Lord. Uh, and then we see him finally respond uh, and then uh, in, in saying all these things that God's saying, I have this thing under control. Mm. Uh, I have it. it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't look like it, but I have it under control. Uh, and, and it's a measure of him asking us to trust him. Mm. Um, and, and we seen Job's response uh, to, to God's rebuttal, essentially saying that uh, now I've, I've known about you my whole life. Uh, but now, you know, I it's almost like this word it's a word that, that communicates intimacy like I know you in a way that I would otherwise not have had the chance mm -hmm. had I not suffered what I suffered mm. uh, so wow. while, while yeah. pain and suffering uh, is is common to every human um, I think the way in which we can allow it to um, to be leveraged for good is if we'll lean in to the maker of the universe and, and, and allow him to comfort us. Uh, yeah. We may never really understand on this side of heaven mm -hmm. uh, while we go through what we go through. Um, we may not really have a clear, okay, God, I see why you did this. Yeah. Um, but if we will allow, if we will lean on him, uh, if we take to him all of our cares and all of our concerns, uh, I think we can get a chance to know God in a way um, that we will otherwise not. Mm. So my last word to anyone who is listening is take whatever brokenness, whatever, whatever suffering, uh, that you're enduring, uh, take it to the maker of the universe and allow him the opportunity to communicate healing to you. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's powerful guys. Yep. Um, man, that's so powerful. Baby pr pray us out before I cry. <laughs> Thank you guys again. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Um, 
Dear Gracious Father, um, we just thank you so much, Lord, for the life that you give, Lord God, for the fact that you choose, um, even before our conception, mm-hmm. who who you're going to place on this earth and for however long and how how big of an impact we're going to have, even if we don't realize it or don't know it. And, and even, God, if we don't use it to the best of our ability, Lord, you you have a purpose and plan for everyone yeah. um, that you bring into existence. So, Lord God, I just pray for even all of us sitting here that we acknowledge that. And like they said, that we realize that life is a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyone listening and that, Lord God, um, our, our choice from here on out is to live life wisely yeah. and to live it following you. Yeah. I pray for Roy and Brittany, Lord God, um, their testimony, Lord Jesus, their trial, how it's how it's just become their life story, God, and it's um, shaped their life and fashioned it um, to a point where they're serving you, God, fully with their lives. So I pray, Lord, for them, for their family, um, as they continue through this process of healing, Lord God, as they continue um, each and every day to, to live life to the best of their ability, God, through you. I pray for their strength. Mm-hmm. I pray for um, their children, Lord God. Um, I just pray for their entire household and, and everyone that they come in contact with um, as they share the story, that yes. you will be glorified. Yeah. Um, and Lord Jesus, that that uh, that for everything they pour out, that you'll just give back. Yeah. And I pray for our listeners, Lord God, that someone will mm-hmm. be touched mm-hmm. and someone's life will be changed. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you once again, Roy and Brittany. Yeah. For coming Thank on. you guys really for having appreciate us. appreciate you guys uh, for coming on and sharing. Uh, to my beauties and to my beards out there, thank you for sitting in and uh, on this podcast. Uh, thank you to my beautiful host. You got some good questions today. And, and let me say this. I want to congratulate you on not crying. Because <laughs> I know that's your thing. I know that's your thing to, is to cry during sentimental times. So kudos to you. Kudos to you on that. Um, we're signing out. Um, so just just to, just let you know, Roy and Brittany, how we close out each shows. We close out with a kiss. Okay. And then um, we you got chapstick. We, we do. <laughs> we close out with a kiss. So um, peace out, guys. We love you all. All right, here we go. Love you guys. (laughs) That was great. Thank you guys. I know. I was thinking about that.